Welcome to The Power of Stories, a podcast by women, about women, and for women. Their voices and their stories. I am Sharon Catherine D'Agostino, a passionate advocate for the empowerment of women and girls everywhere and the founder of SayItForward.org. And I'm Yodit Kifle-Smith, a creative dedicated to making sure the voices and stories of women are heard. I have the privilege of working with Sharon on SayItForward.org to do just that. In this podcast, you will meet courageous women from around the world whose unique path to empowerment will leave you encouraged and inspired. We are happy to welcome Dr. Sophia Yen on today's episode. Dr. Yen is the CEO and co-founder of Pandia Health and is board certified in adolescent medicine. She serves as a clinical associate professor of pediatrics in the Division of Adolescent Medicine at Stanford Medical School. Dr. Yen pivoted from her career as a physician to be an entrepreneur and advocate, launching several corporate and nonprofit initiatives focused on women's reproductive health and empowerment, SheHeroes.org, and female-founded, female-led.co, and Silver Ribbon Campaign to Trust Women. She (laughs) joins us from Sunnyvale, California. Welcome, Dr. Yen. We're so happy that you could be with us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's always great to speak to women empowering women. We're thrilled that you're here. And I'd like to start with a question about what in your own life sparked your passion for adolescent medicine? I've always been passionate about um, adolescents' rights to comprehensive sex ed, to birth control, to deciding what happens to their bodies. And the reason why was I was a 15-year-old sexually active teenager who wanted to be a doctor. And I couldn't afford to get pregnant as a teenager, couldn't afford to get pregnant in college, could not afford to get pregnant in residency. So I needed the right to decide what would happen to my body if I were to inadvertently get pregnant at some time. So it was absolutely about personal need to make sure I have the right to do what I want to do to get where I want to go. But as a person going into medicine, it was deciding between OB-GYN and something else. And I liked pediatrics. I liked adolescent medicine because you can capture young people when they're about to start their habits. And so do you really want to have sex if only 30% of those with uteri or vaginas have an orgasm in any interaction? 70% of you all are giving it up for no good reason. And you're, you know, risking pregnancy, sexually transmitted infections. So one, don't have sex or to get the conversation better so that you get yours. So realizing that every single time that there's a teenage pregnancy, it's the person with the uterus who literally gets screwed and the person with the penis walks away. And it's about equality. It's about leveling the playing ground. It's about achieving what you want to achieve. And so adolescent medicine was an opportunity to help people before they developed habits. And if they develop the habits, develop them in a good way. If you're going to have sex, great. Just make sure you don't catch any sexually transmitted infections. Make sure you don't get pregnant if you don't want to get pregnant. And make sure that it's a consensual relationship where you enjoy, you get off, and that no one's taking advantage of anyone. So that's why I chose adolescent medicine. Um, Adolescent medicine is often called sex 
drugs, rock and roll, a little acne and some sports medicine and the rock and roll being mental health. We are the geriatrics of pediatrics or the <laughs> neonatology of internal medicine. I love the the confidence in your voice. And I'm curious just to like, where was that confidence cultivated? Is it with your family or with mentors? Part of my advice to parents is for your young person, you want to tell them that they are gorgeous and that they are smart and they can accomplish anything they work hard towards. Not that you are smart because we want the growth mindset rather than the fixed mindset, but anything you work hard towards. And that's what my parents instilled in me. If you look back at my fourth grade photos, those are some crazy, ugly photos. Thick <laughs> glasses, buck teeth. Um, I call it a Taiwan slash China clothing and colors. So I had cowboy boots, purple <laughs> gauchos, bright gold blouse with puff sleeve, just crazy <laughs> stuff. And I was like, mom, can I go to modeling school? And if I were the mom, I'd be like, no, that is a waste of money. No way, no how, no ever. And I'm like, oh, you go. And so I learned, I learned makeup. I learned to walk the runway. But again, look at those pictures and they are horrifying. <laughs> and, and, and so that my mom boosted my confidence. And so as I chased boys going through high school, that like I was oblivious and they would like reject me left and right. It's like, they're lost, man. I'm a model. I'm gorgeous. you know. <laughs> and then my dad was like, um, any class you take, if you don't do well, it's not you as a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, but he also taught me if you have a textbook and it doesn't make sense, get three textbooks and one of these textbooks will talk to you. Or I loved it. I, in retrospect, I don't know if it really makes sense, but <laughs> you know, you have one textbook, you can get maybe 95% of it. But if you get three textbooks and you get 75% of each of them, then you have 215% of, <laughs> of the subject matter. It really taught me that, you know, there are many different ways to learn something. And they taught me to question authority. They taught me never be afraid to ask any question. And exactly as you picked up, that is my superpower. I have enough confidence for three people. A number of our listeners are parents or grandparents of adolescents. This is a, I know it's a loaded question, but how can they help adolescents to look after their own mental health? I think it's important um, that everybody prioritize family time. They've shown that if you all eat dinner together, that's a great time to capture your adolescent against their will and talk about what's going on in the family. Or if, you know, your, your dinner time is too busy, you know, make breakfast your thing. Lunch is almost impossible because everybody is at school. As a parent and uh, an older person, your job is to be a parent, not a friend. That's one lesson I, I want parents to know that, a lot of parents are like, I'm my daughter's bestie. And it's like, that's nice, but you also need to be the bad guy. You need to set the boundaries. You need to set the expectations. It is our job from when the child is born until they leave the house. And maybe, you know, in our culture, until you die, I'm responsible for what you do to protect them from hurting themselves. And so this is what time you have to get in at night. 
These are the grades that I expect for you. This is my hopes and dreams for you. You know, I'm here to provide you so that you can make money, marry somebody you love, have children, and be productive in the world. On the mental health side, you know, if you see your young person being angry, if they're crying a lot, if they're not getting enough sleep, if they've lost interest in things that they used to be interested in, don't be afraid to seek mental health care. And as adolescent medicine, we're often brought in to sell the family on mental health. If the patient has um, stomach pain all the time, that could be an ulcer, that could be stress, that could be a bodily sensation of mental distress. If they're having headaches all the time, one, teenagers don't drink enough water, and that's because the school has nasty bathrooms and nobody wants to go there, or they don't have time, or they get penalized if they go pee during the day. But if it's not that, again, headaches could be a manifestation of stress in their life. And so if you see that, don't be afraid to seek mental health. At some point in your life, there will be a crisis. And if no one has trained you how to deal with that, and as a parent, you're not a psychologist, you're not a therapist, you haven't seen thousands of cases, and you haven't been required to study for thousands of hours how to deal with that crisis and having your young person have that safety net person that they've met once when they weren't in crisis or they found before they were in crisis is better. But certainly if you are in crisis, then totally go find that person as well. And then a new resource that just came out is 988. So 911 is for general emergencies, but 988 is now the national um, crisis suicide hotline. So that's a great resource to have. Um, I know Shannon and I talk about this all the time, just learning to ask for help. Because again, as women, either society expects we can do, expect we can do it all, or we put that expectation on ourselves too. So in your adulthood and in, in just in your journey now, what does asking for help look like? It's realizing you don't know everything, mm-hmm. which is useful in life. Um, that was part of the MIT experience, deeply humbling. You go there and um, you're used to being the top of your class, Mm. and then you get your first test back, and you get a 20, and you're like, like, this is a mistake. Out of 100? (laughs) You're like, like, I didn't understand 80% of the material, and this is a sub F. Like, I don't even know what a 20 is. Oh, my goodness. And then you learn about class app, and then you're fine. But like the horror of it all, and there's always somebody who got a 50 or 60 because, you know, MIT. So knowing that there's always someone smarter and there is no shame asking Mm -hmm. for help and knowing that if you've been banging your head against the wall for 30 minutes, cut and ask for help. I hear women apologize. I'm sorry, but Mm -hmm. let me ask this question. No, no, sorry. The bad question is the one you didn't ask Mm. because you had the opportunity to get it answered. You had the opportunity to get help. You had the opportunity to learn from someone else, but you didn't. If you want to succeed, you do have to ask for help. You can't do it alone. And so I believe in paying it forward, paying it back and karma that you will give out good and it will come back to you in your time of need. And so if the person you're asking for seems to need nothing, you don't know what's going on in their life. You don't know what has happened in the past. You don't know what's coming in the future. And that is really critical that you can help someone now, they can help you now, and later you'll pay it back. 
having enough belief in yourself that, that yeah, you got to believe you're going to get through this and that you will be on the other side to help people. Mm. So don't be afraid because we need to help each other. We can't do it alone. It would be really sad if we were all alone. We are all interconnected. And so, you know, don't ask the mean person for help. But even then, you never know. The mean person may <laughs> love helping you because <laughs> then you'll owe them, right? <laughs> Tell us about the inspiration for SheHeroes.org. So not my brainchild, uh, dragged in by my sorority sister. Uh, she was inspired because she had a seven-year-old daughter and Googled physicist and got a boring paragraph on Madame Curie. And she's like, in today's day and age, when I Google doctor, CEO, um, Supreme Court justice, um, programmer, astronaut, lawyer, etc., I should be able to find an enthusiastic woman talking about her job. And I was like, yeah. And as an adolescent medicine person, I can tell you that if you are aiming for something higher, then you have less time to get pregnant or less time to get into bad things. And so that's how I was brought on as the adolescent medicine expert, as a co-founder she Heroes was founded by three MIT women, go power tech women. <laughs> and um, two of us were in our sorority, Alpha Chi Omega, plug for Alpha Chi Omega, but mainly plug for women helping women. And um, that's how She Heroes was born. Free online videos highlighting women in jobs where we're underrepresented. And then during COVID, we started this great series every other month on a Sunday in the afternoon, we'll do Meet a She Hero. And we'll have a live she hero come on, talk about her job, what she enjoys about it. How did she get there? What obstacles did she overcome? And then anyone that comes on the call, though our target audience is generally third to eighth graders before you've trimmed that tree of possibilities. You want to make sure you know all your options, but younger and older can join as well. Can come meet that she hero, talk to that she hero, ask questions, network. Awesome. I'm a new mom. She's only seven months, but in my mind, I'm always thinking about, you know, as she gets older and what am I going to instill in her and how, you know, how do I let her know she has a voice and, and how can we all encourage other women and girls to confidently use their voice and claim their power? My new hashtag is stop sucking it up. We as women bear so much. We get randomly hit by blood. One week out of four from age 12 and a half to 50. But now we have the technology to make hashtag periods optional. I like to say that's so 2020 to bleed every month. You can now bleed every three months, every six months or <laughs> never using the IUD, the implant, the patch, the pill, you know, et cetera. And so one, if you're suffering from bad, evil periods, stop sucking it up. Tell people, get help. If you are suffering from menopause, which I'm now hitting, stop sucking it up. Talk about it. I am so shocked that we have not heard about menopause to like now and now it's finally coming. But I, as a doctor, was like, it's a date and it just happens and things happen around it. But I was not told there's pre-menopause, post-menopause stuff going on for like a decade around it. Whack <laughs> periods, like stop <laughs> sucking it up. So we need to say our stories so that women know they're not alone. When I talk about periods optional and how it decreases colon cancer, it also allows me to say, 
30% of women who have bad, evil periods also have diarrhea or constipation. And to know I'm not the weird one, you know, 30% of us have that as well. <laughs> and we need that addressed. We need that taken care of. My evangelism on that is the advocacy. So thank you, Obama Biden, for passing what I call V1 version one or vagina one, where any FDA approved birth control is covered with no copay, no deductible. And I want to get it out there to Biden Harris, who is of menopausal age and is a woman and is our first woman vice president for V2, vagina two. Menopause (laughs) should be covered with no copay, no deductible. And if you don't, then you're sexist and ageist. Thank you so much um, just for sharing parts of your story, for your passion, for your commitment to empowering women and girls. Um, we really appreciate the, the making the time to be here today. And, and always to our listeners, we thank you for making the time to listen to this episode of the Power of Stories podcast. So thank you for handling these really serious subjects with such grace and humor. We're so, so happy you were able to be with us and wish you much success in your enterprise. I also thank you, Yadit, because I always love everything we do together on <laughs> fayetforward.org. And we send out thanks to Lisa DeJavine, who is the co-producer and editor of the Power Stories podcast. So Dr. Yen, do you have any words you'd like to leave us with? Stop sucking it up. Speak up and don't be afraid to ask for help. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. And to our listeners, we invite you to visit sayitforward.org, a place where you are welcome to share one or more stories about your unique path to empowerment. Or you can read the stories of other women and girls. This is Sharon Catherine D'Agostino. And Yodit Kifle-Smith. Signing off for now and hoping you'll join us for our next episode of the Power of Stories podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, we do hope you'll give us a review and recommend the Power of Stories to a friend. And lastly, we want to remind you of the power of your story.